I can't go viral if no one starts the retweet. I see. I don't. I don't know the etiquette of Twitter. When do you like something versus when do you retweet something? I thought you have to retweet something if it's like something that you're like. Yes, I a hundred percent agree with this, and I'm putting amazing. it out there into the world as Which if it were for me. Only if amazing. it's amazing. Okay. If okay. it's amazing, you retweet it. Or if it's your dear friend. <laughs> anyway, we can talk about First Man. That's what we're here for. I think your thing's more important. It, it is. <laughs> to be honest, it is. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime. Hold your ears, what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to our Halloween episode in which we will say and do nothing on this episode that has anything to do with Halloween. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Instead, we're going to be talking about First Man, Damien Chazelle's new movie about Neil Armstrong and his moonly ways. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question in honor of Claire Foy in this movie, who's your favorite wife waiting intently at home while her husband makes history? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I've got to go with the first thing that came to mind. And that's Nicole Ari Parker playing Carol Boone in Remember the Titans. Um, <laughs> Denzel Washington's wife. Or, oh, yeah. I forgot he had a wife in that movie. <laughs> he, he does. Um, and it kind of also, Lucas, are you familiar with um, Natalie Walker on Twitter? And yes. Series yes. Of women. So she recently did a series about uh, a, a video about woman waits intently while her husband makes history. She also did a great ser- video about the wife of a husband who's addressing the racial tension in his community. Oh, and, yes. I did see that one. <laughs> she, the wife and Remember the Titan fulfills both of those character roles. That's true. <laughs> so um, so that's kind of a two for one for you. Well done. Yeah, we need to put a link in the show notes to her video, her Twitter thread of, of all of that because it's, it's really, really so phenomenal. Incredible. <laughs> um, well, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in Chicago. And mine isn't a character. It is the actress, Sienna Miller, who does this in just about every movie she's in. She was the wife in Foxcatcher. She was the wife in American Sniper. She was the wife in Lost City of Z, um, in Ben Affleck's Live by Night. It's sad because she's a really, really great actress in some of the other stuff that she's done. But almost now she's at that point where she's just the mother wife who stays home and doesn't have a point in the movie, which is really sad. That is. Well, after all of that depressingness, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, each episode we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, um, whether it be a movie, a TV show, a book, um, just something fun that uh, we're we're really into. So, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week I'm feeling um, the movie that just came out, Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, This is a movie that I think had an amazing trailer and normally, I th- I would maybe stay away from because it looks kind of scary, but the trailer was so good and it had such an enticing cast that I had to make my way to go see it. Plus, I'm really, I'm getting into the spooky mood this month. Like, Ooh. this year, I'm really, like, committing to letting myself have a spooky month. And so All right. This really We're really was, talking about Halloween. <laughs> I, like I said. Um, so, I, it was really fitting for me to go see this. And... 
I had such a blast at this movie. Um, it's my favorite movie that I've seen in a while. Um, it's just one of the most unique films I've ever seen. You really never know what's going to happen next. It, there's nothing predictable about it. Um, and it's so, um, it's so unexpected. I expected it to be way more scary than it actually is. It's not scary as much as it is a really compelling story. At times a thriller, at times just a compelling um, drama. And I, I had so much fun. It has a really interesting, unique cast of characters. There's about seven different uh, people whose lives are all intersecting at this one night at a hotel in Nevada. And... Um, and then you get to see just the chaos that ensues from all of their stories coming to one place. And I had so much fun with it. I had never seen Cabin in the Woods, the um, previous film from this director. I think his name is Drew Goddard. Mm -hmm. um, and now after seeing Bad Times at El Royale, um, I definitely want to watch Cabin in the Woods, even though it's a horror film. Just because this movie is inspired me so much yeah cabin in the woods is one of the first horror movies that i was like okay it's a horror movie but i really want to watch it i still yeah. haven't watched it but it's it's it was one of the first things that clued me into but like maybe you, i maybe i need to power through and just do it you definitely need to see bad times lucas i think you'll really love it it's i've tried it's the first movie that i've actually had issues with movie pass trying to see so gotcha. I still haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. I love Drew Goddard movies. Um, he wrote The Martian. Um, he wrote a lot of Lost. Um, and he started uh, the Daredevil Netflix TV show. Um, okay. And so I've really liked a lot of his stuff. Um, I, I didn't see Cloverfield, but I it's another one of those scary things that I'm like, I kind of want to see it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so Cabin in the Woods, I've heard is amazing. This, I've heard, is really, 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 really fun. And so I am really pumped to see this movie. Yeah. Um, for me this week, I watched an amazing uh, British TV show, Bodyguard, which came out on BBC One um, last month. And it's a miniseries. It's six episodes. It's amazing. It stars Richard Madden um, from Game of Thrones, Red Wedding fame. Um, and he is a, a British Army veteran of the Afghan War who comes home with PTSD and becomes a police officer. Um, and he gets involved in a bomb threat, a suicide bomb threat on a, on a train, which puts him in a position to be, become the bodyguard for the home secretary of the United Kingdom. Um, and so it's about him kind of with his, P with, with, with his PTSD in this kind of position of high stress all the time <laughs> um, and kind of how he deals with um, his relationship with, with guarding um, this woman and his relationship with really a bunch of women in his life, his, his boss, his ex-wife, um, and kind of the politics around it. So it is insanely, insanely intense. It is amazing and I really want everybody to watch this show. It comes out on Netflix on October 24th uh, here in the U.S., so definitely check it out. Very, very cool. I will look for it. Um, it's one of those shows where, like, you really love it, but you also, like, need a break in between episodes where you just Ooh, need to, like, yeah. breathe for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I but, haven't watched one of those shows in a while. I guess maybe Sharp Objects was the last yeah. one that yes, was, like, yeah. ooh. The nice thing about it is this is only six episodes and it's a mini series and it's done. So it's not okay. like you have to like deal with this for a long period of time. Right. Okay. But, um, I also think this is his play for James Bond. I do think he is. That's really interesting. He will be, he will be in the running for it after this, this show. So 
Yeah. Just putting it out there. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's 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 play in or out. Let's talk about some things that possibly came out this week or this month or something like that that we don't really want to get dive in deep into, but just kind of get your thoughts on it. So in or out, real quick. So what's it gonna be? Consider carefully. Are you Netflix decided to cancel two of its Marvel Netflix shows, uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Sandra, did you even watch any of those? Were you interested in that at all? I never watched Iron Fist. I watched the first season of Luke Cage. We actually talked about it on the podcast. That's right, we did. Um, I didn't check out the second season. I've heard good things about it, though. Um, So I'm sad about Luke Cage, um, just because I think that came with a really interesting cast and Mm -hmm. lots of possibilities. I have zero feelings towards Iron Fist. I feel the exact same way as you. I am was completely out on that show. I didn't watch the second season of Luke Cage. And I think most people are in the same boat, which is probably why they canceled both of those. Yeah. So um, were, did you watch the second season of Jessica Jones? I didn't, no. Yeah, me either. I did watch the second season of Daredevil, which was not as good as the first one. But I hear the third episode, which just came out this last weekend, um, is really, really great. Okay. So we'll see. Marvel Netflix shows. They don't connect with anything else. You know what Marvel show I haven't started, but that I am really interested? No, what? Um, Oh, it's on a different network, and I'm blanking on the name right now. It's called, like, Shadow and Light or something? Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger. That's what it's called. I'm really interested in that. Isn't Um, that on the CW or something? I, I think it might be on, like, ABC family or free form or oh, something like that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, That's right. I heard an interview with a show creator that just sounded really promising. And so um that one just seems really different from all the other Marvel shows that I've given a chance. Um so mm-hmm. that one intrigues me. But I haven't actually made time to watch it. So Yeah, I am just really exhausted by Marvel TV or really superhero TV. Sure. So I haven't done much of anything in that vein. But yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Anything that gets some praise, I'll probably check out at some point. So. Same. <laughs> All right. Next on the list, uh, the Cats musical. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah. Okay. So tell me what you know about this. Because one, I know, like, I love musicals, but I know really nothing about the Cats musical. Oh, what I know about the musical or the upcoming event? Well, both. Um, both. Well, <laughs> I don't know a ton about the actual musical. Okay. I watched a recording of the musical when I was a kid and it never really made sense to me. I was always kind of like, I don't really, I can't follow what this is. I hear it also line. doesn't really make sense as an adult. No. And that's what I've, <laughs> I've come to understand as well. Um, I've heard people who have such an adoration for cats. I've, I've heard people that really have a strong distaste for cats. Um, so like the musical itself, I don't have any feelings towards other than I like musicals and even weird ones I can probably get on board with. Um, and But the upcoming event is they're just kind of slowly releasing new cast announcements. So um, one of the big ones was Taylor Swift is going to be in this. Um, recently, Idris Elba has signed on. Who else do you have? Do you have? Do you have other people in mind? I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. So Ian McKellen is in there. Judy Dench, um, James Corden, uh, Jennifer Hudson. Um, Jennifer those... Hudson. That's who I I was thinking yes. of. Yes. So all of these people, and this is going to be directed by Tom Hooper, who did uh, Lemez um, all those years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so 
all of the, I, I'm assuming it'll be kind of in that vein of a very serious musical, but it's of cats. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> from what I know, cats isn't like that serious. Like it's, it's weird. <laughs> like it's, um, and I think this is, I don't mean to sound as shady as I do, but <laughs> if it was a very serious musical, they wouldn't be casting Taylor Swift in it. Like <laughs> I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to whatever this is going to be. Um, all of those people are very talented. Um, Cats is, I don't know, it's Cats. And so Cats is I'm, Cats. <laughs> I, I I am excited about any major movie musical. That is a genre that I think I cannot get enough of, and I don't think we make enough of. Um, so the fact that it one is getting made, that alone is, excites me, and I'm in. Okay, sounds good. Well, you heard it here first, people. Cats is cats, and it might be bad, and it also might be good. We shall see. <laughs> yeah, you come for a great insight here. Yep. <laughs> All right, next up. Um, Netflix dropped uh, a new TV show, The Haunting of Hill House, um, based on the book, The Haunting of Hill House. Um, have you seen it? It's, uh, everybody's talking about it, but it's a horror show. And so I haven't seen it, but again, everybody's talking about it. So I have FOMO. Yeah, same here. I don't have any interest in it because it's a horror TV show, but I do, I am so intrigued by the conversation that I'm hearing. Right. Um, Carla Gugino's in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. She's someone that I really love, and so that is also another thing that makes me interested. Honestly, I just can't see myself watching this show because it really does sound scary. It doesn't right. sound like <laughs> cool and spooky like I like my Halloween fair to be. It sounds like a legitimately scary horror tv show and i just don't know if that's how i want to spend my time right i was hoping that you would say that you have watched it and that it wasn't that right um <laughs> but that is not the case apparently no, so it, it looks like i will also real, not be it watching sounds it sounds like legit scary <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure the trailer made me super interested but definitely i was not going to watch this without somebody telling me it wasn't scary and no one has said that yet so yeah Oh, man. Yeah, so we can't give any takes on that. It looks scary, and everybody says it's good. So and sometimes you just have to accept that not all media is for you. It's true. It's true. All right. Well, I guess all that leaves is our actual review of First Man. So let's talk about that. I was busy thinking about bunch of boys. Okay, so First Man is Damien Chazelle's follow-up to La La Land, which netted him almost a Best Picture win. Um, Last year, last year? Was that last year? Was that two years ago? That's two two years years ago. ago. Two years ago. Man, time flies. Um, So First Man is uh, Ryan Gosling. I almost said back as... um, (laughs) (laughs) Reprising Reprising his of Neil Armstrong. Um, yeah, so he plays Neil Armstrong. Um, Claire Foy plays his <laughs> loving wife. Karen. <laughs> yeah. Karen, Janet, Janet. Janet, there. Janet Armstrong. Janet Armstrong. You know her from things. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got a, a cast of a bunch of really great white guys playing the rest of NASA. Yeah, it was a, it was a real 
collection of oh yeah that guy yeah yeah you're like oh i like him in, in the things that i've seen him in right. um you got coach taylor being the coach um you've got pablo schreiber yes pablo schreiber being big he's a large man yeah he is he's um, very, my way too tall to be an astronaut famous patrick fugit is that his name yes is it yes I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name, yeah, but yes, th- we'll that is it. it. Uh, um, you've got the uh, the bald guy from House of Cards. Um, yeah. You've got, um, damn, his name on girls is Charlie, something Abbott, something Abbott. Um, oh, you're right, you're right. You just basically see his eyes the whole time, that's it. Right. Like, you, don't, he, he, you don't see a lot of his face, but I was like, that's Charlie from Girls. So mm, you got I've Charlie seen from Girls. girls. But I do know, I do know that, that actor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was Ethan Embry also there? What? No. Looking it up. Oh my gosh, you're right. You yes. are so right. Ethan Embry was oh, there. Yeah. Oh yeah, you've also got Shea Wiggum, Lucas Haas. Yeah. Um, and oh, I can't believe we didn't talk about Jason Clark. And obviously Jason Clark. Who is who is Jason Clark? Oh, Jason Clark is Ed White, the uh, you know, Jason Clark, lovable next door neighbor friend. Right. Oh, and Corey Stoll, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, Corey Stoll, the the bald guy from <laughs> the Buzz now, Aldrin guy. <laughs> I will say this is the only mo- oh. Uh, my favorite, we'll go back to Corey Stoll. We'll talk okay. about Corey Stoll. <laughs> okay. But um, my favorite of the, oh, that guy's, is yeah. Brian Darcy James. Um, he's a big oh, like, Broadway yes. guy. Yes. I first knew him from the hit TV show Smash on NBC. Yeah, um, yeah. And now you I, see him pop up in a lot of little places. See, I only know him from the hit movie Spotlight, so. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Um, But yeah, he was great. So yeah, I, I think it's a great, a, a great cast of characters yeah. um, that we spent way too long talking men. about. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, first man. This is uh is here's what I'll say. Damon Chazelle. I've loved all of his movies. Um, the thing is, he's written all of his movies. This is the first one that he hasn't written. This is written by Josh Singer, um, oh. who did Spotlight. Um, or no, he didn't write Spotlight. He did write Spotlight. Yeah, he wrote Spotlight. He wrote The Post. He wrote. Um, I think he wrote on the West Wing. Um, so he's very much into like some political, you know, dramas, important stuff. Um, this just didn't really land for me from a writing perspective. I thought it was really good and really well executed. Overall, like there aren't a lot of flaws in the movie. It's just to me not a very interesting movie. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to just the subject matter. Like I, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think anyone did a bad job at all in right. any way, shape or form in this movie. It's just, except for maybe Josh Singer, um, <laughs> just because it like, there wasn't a lot to engage in, in this movie. Um, Neil Armstrong is famously a very, um, uh, what is it? Re- a very reserved person. Um, so he hasn't done a lot of you know, talking about his life. Um, apparently he wasn't very forthcoming. And so having that kind of person as your, um, protagonist is just, I think hard. I think Ryan Gosling did a great job, um, as his stoic self. Um, I think everybody around him did a great job, but I just wasn't super interested in this movie and, uh, we'll get into it in spoilers, but it's super depressing as well. So, yeah, <laughs> There's a lot of darkness in this film, and there were some moments of darkness that I, I thought were very compelling. Like, mm-hmm. um, and 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 yeah, it's hard for me to say. Like, I don't want this film to be darker. Like, but <laughs> I, I guess here's my ultimate complaint with this movie. I think I agree with you in that everyone's doing their best, 
and their best is very good. Um, this movie isn't bad by any means, but it's not no. what I've come to expect from a Damien Chazelle movie. Yeah. And part of that is I think the subject matter is a big reason for that because ultimately from you know my interpretation of them, Damien Chazelle movies all ask the same question um, and that is, is greatness worth it? And that can mean different things. You know, in La La Land, it can mean, is it worth losing this possible grand love? Is it worth, in Whiplash, it's like, is it worth losing, like, dignity and um, self-respect and peace of mind? Um, and in this movie, it's very clear, like, is greatness worth the loss of life, the money, the um, risks, you know, the families? Is it worth it? And in the those first two films, it's such it's a question that I find so fascinating because mm -hmm. the movies don't usually fully answer it. They kind of answer it, but they, you know, they let you leave it up to your own decision. Like, was it worth it? You know, this is what happened and you get to decide was it worth it or not. Um, in this movie, that's a hard question to ask because we know how it ends. And as history, it's we know that it kind of was worth it, you know, like. We know how far space travel has come since then. We know what scientific advances we've made. You know, um, I'm not saying that, I guess it's hard to say, like, is it worth those loss of lives? That's up to, you know, each individual person to decide. But mm -hmm. ultimately, we kind of know that it wasn't a failure. We did it. It was, it was worthwhile. Um, and so the question has kind of already been answered by history. And so <laughs> that made that the subject matter less compelling throughout the film because you know how it's going to end. You know the answer to the question. Um, I think looking at this story, I much would have preferred a story about Neil Armstrong that was what I think he tried to do, but I don't think he spent enough time actually dedicated to this, is more a film about a meditation on grief and how yes. grief plays out in your personal and professional lives uh, on multiple levels and different types of grief. And um, I think if, there, if this was a film about grief with the moon landing in the background, it could have been a really, really interesting film. But a movie about is greatness worth it with grief being a side plot is not as interesting to me. I 100% agree with that. Um yeah, the, the, the actual moon stuff is the least compelling part of this because, right. one, we've seen it a lot already. Two, we know how it's going to play out. Right. Um, and so we're not really, like, we're invested in it, but we're not, we don't, we don't, we're not, I guess, um, as empathetic as we are about the rest of the stuff going on in his life. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. If, if most of the movie had been about how he handles grief, how that family handles grief, um, because I think, I think if we bring Claire Foy into it, I think she has more to do in this movie than most wives have to do in movies like this. Um, that's not saying a lot, right. but I, I still think she gets a lot of agency. And she, I mean, there's, there's a lot of points in this movie where she is kind of handling life. She is handling the family. She is completely in control while he kind of withdraws. Um, and so... I think if it had more been a two-hander of with the two of them dealing with this, with I think I think that actually would have been more interesting with kind of the 
the moon stuff. His, it's just his job while he's at work, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. It's just, <laughs> um, I think that would have been really interesting to see, but, um, yeah, we had to get the moon stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. The most compelling moments for this film for me were the moments where we really examined grief and this space trips that did, that weren't the final moon landing space trips. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that I don't know about because I didn't, you know, we don't learn about all the tests that were done before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so those, even though you know Neil Armstrong isn't going to die, and <laughs> like you know that, yeah. that, you know that there's that baseline of right. safety. You don't know how they play out. You don't know how they what what um, bad things happen to them. You don't know how the f- bad things are fixed. You mm-hmm. don't know. Um, if anyone else is going to die, you know, so yeah. that is really, really fascinating. And those moments were, I think, done extremely well. Um, it's just the rest of the film, I don't think, gelled together in a way that would make it, like I said, it's not a bad movie by any means. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fully told, fully realized film. It's just not, I'm so used to a Damien Chazelle movie wowing uh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like every biopic gets to that point to where you are now at the most famous part that everybody knows the exact sequences of and everything that happens there. And I feel like in all biopics, you just start losing that tension because you're like, yeah, I know how these beats play. Um, Spoiler alert, he lands on the moon um, and then he comes home safely. And so if that sequence is extended like it is in this movie, it can be like really beautiful. Like I forget how long we spend with him actually going to the moon and him being on the moon and that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's a beautiful sequence, but there is no tension in it at all because you, you know exactly what's, what's happening. Um, I didn't see it in IMAX. Um, No, me either. Okay. But even, even still the moon sequence is really, really beautiful. Yeah, it is. And the audio is really well done in a way that, yeah. (laughs) I was just about to say that like the shining thing from this film that did really take my breath away was the score. Um, yeah. The score yep. throughout this film is, you know, it's worth the ticket price. It's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. The way they've kind of woven it in and you can like, this is one of the few, I don't pay attention to scores very much during a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, unless it's really amazing is when I really start to feel it. And when you start to hear like themes repeated again, that's yeah. what, that's for me, that's when I know like, oh my gosh, like I'm really getting into this score. Yeah. <laughs> that if I can start recognizing themes on a first viewing of a, sh- of a movie. Um, and that, that I thought it, it was incredible the way they kind of played throughout, um, throughout this and it's just so it's so slight it's not like an overpowering like biopic theme um it's very very it's it's very intense but it's also very um i think minimal for what it is sure um i also think the just the audio of i don't know the surroundings whenever he's in his plane or you know one of the ships or anything like that there's just so much noise and rattling and like the camera's moving and like you really feel that like that I'm in a bucket and this could fall apart at any moment kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, yeah, the audio engineering that went on in this, I thought was really great too. Right. I thought it was interesting that they do kind of address kind of what the, what the rest of the world or I guess the rest of America really thinks about, um, kind of NASA and all of its spending and stuff like that. They do back off a little bit to talk about that mm-hmm. for a second, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Um, and I, I mean, I, 
feel like that should have been more of the movie, but <laughs> if they're going to address it it's, at all. To but me, I, it's like he tried to oh, have his cake and eat it, too. You know, like, yeah. he tried to do this compelling personal story about this one man and his grief and his, you know, attempts at greatness and all these things. And then he also tried to tell this story about, like, what the world is thinking and is it worth yeah. it and the political implications of it. And and to me, it's like one or the other, like either give me the intimate portrait or give mm-hmm. me the like overarching big, we're going to the moon story where we focus on all these different people, not just one person. We focus on the national, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, I feel like he would have gotten dinged if he hadn't, addressed any of the political stuff in the movie that he made. Yeah. So I'm glad he did, but you're right. It would have been better if he just focused down and not had to deal with any of that. Yeah. But I will give, that is a I will give point. him credit for putting Whitey on the moon by Gil Scott. Which I had never that, heard that before. Awesome. And I'm and glad he, I'm glad it's in there. Yeah. I had never heard before. Oh, really? And it was really incredible. Oh, and it was like, it, and it made me yeah. think about space travel in a way I never thought before. And I didn't yeah. know what the national tone and mood was yeah. back then. It, it's so, very poignant in the film. Yeah, too, it, it so. really, really is. And so like, I think it's a worthy conversation to have and a worthy mm-hmm. story to tell. Absolutely. It just didn't help the arc of this <laughs> specific film, you know? Correct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to see a different movie, an additional mm-hmm. movie that was just about, that question and it if can damien that- chazelle had made two movies yeah. <laughs> back to back right. where you know where he, that's not a bad where he plays <laughs> where, as far as where ryan gosling does replace his role as neil Armstrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. you know i'm just saying though like in this day and age where you have someone like link later making like a 12 year movie yeah um, it could be a really cool project for a director to make two movies back to back um that are like about the same subject matter, but completely different ways of telling that story. Mm-hmm. With a lot of the same actors, man. Uh, okay, I, I'm I'm in. I'm in. That's a really I like cool this. Idea. You know, I like this. Ready, where they film like two Hunger Games movies back yeah. to back. Yeah. It's not like undone, you know, like or right. It's not never been done before. Um. So like, but but to do it with same yeah same cast same subject matter, but two different stories about the same subject yeah. matter. I'm in. I think that sounds excellent. I love a good double feature too. So like that really. Oh yeah, they come out in the same in the same year, and you just you can go see them individually. Ooh, you can yep. go see them together. You know. Yep. Yeah, they'll they'll be playing double features across the country. They can oh, both man. be nominated for Academy Awards. Yep, yep, yep. Same actor gets nominated in both films. Oh, oh. this little. Fantasy or, we're we're cooking up have is like great. Ryan Gosling nominated for Best Actor in First Man, and then Ryan Gosling nominated for Best Supporting Actor yes. in The Moon. You know. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, this is great. This is great. Um, I texted Damien. Um, he'll he'll be working on it. So awesome. Yeah. He'll, he'll need to pick a new subject. He can't. He can't. He's already yeah, tried yeah. this one. Yeah. yeah. He's ruined this one. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This one's taken. All right. <laughs> well, I, th- I think that's about it for us. Let's talk about spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. My biggest thing I want to say in spoilers is that 
Corey Stoll, I hold very dear to my heart because I'm immensely <laughs> attracted to him. And this is the first movie that I wasn't attracted to Corey Stoll in. And yeah. um, that's disappointing. The one thing I will say about this, the choosing to portray Buzz Aldrin as kind of a dick throughout the movie is it's definitely a character choice that they made. But <laughs> um, he's not like a f- villain or anything. You know, he doesn't oh, do no. anything yeah. completely horrible. He just is kind of rude. He just kind of yeah. says things out loud that people don't, you shouldn't say out loud in moments you mm-hmm. definitely shouldn't say them out loud. And as yeah. far as like indicting character traits for people to know you by, <laughs> like that's a pretty mild one. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think he definitely offsets because everybody else is pretty one note of what their character, you know, very much like we're just trying to get to the moon and we're real serious. And, <laughs> yeah. and then he's the guy who's just we're like, we're all you know, ambitious white men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that, that, you know, he, he is like that in this movie, but it is just kind of like, ah, that's the guy who ended up being on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and of all the people in the world, <laughs> yeah. we sent that guy. Right. So, um, but yeah, um, I, didn't know about all the people who died. Like, I knew people died right. in, in the buildup to getting people on the moon. Um, but putting faces to that, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and just how many people died, um, I thought was so sad. And just, like, that, how they're all living together kind of in this right. neighborhood in Houston. And you have all these men dying. Um, and uh, what's Widows and children. You know, like... Yeah. And Cla- seeing, Clairefoy mentioned she was memories like memories of them, you know. Yeah, yeah. She was she was like when he was in the army, you know, f- you know, we had what four of his buddies die in one year, so we got really good at funerals and like that is stuff that I'm like that is interesting. Like that is super super interesting to right. this story. Right. And I just don't think it got explored enough. Like they definitely like you said, it is about grief, but it is definitely a side thing. Right. Um so, um, did you know about his daughter before you went into him? I did not. I did not know about his daughter. Yeah. So that was. <laughs> that I did man. know about. And so, um, I, I knew about, I knew that he had a child that had died, but I didn't know where that fit in the timeline. So mm-hmm. the surprise for me was the fact that it happened all Immediately. before the moon stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, I think that was interesting to have him not like they don't talk about it at all um and i felt like that was like the just really the suppression of grief and him kind of he, i think he cries twice in this movie and he goes into his office and like closes the door and like shuts the windows and everything like that yeah. um and it's that suppression of grief i think it was super powerful because you see it not from just from him but from um you see it once from like the other wife of mm-hmm. uh Bud White who dies and it's just how that is you still have to you know stay strong and you know keep your chin up and pretend like everything's fine and like oh man if anybody if if, if there's a movie that is like everybody should just go to counseling this is (laughs) this is it (laughs) right yeah I would have loved more moments like we have this one glimpse where he kind of sees his daughter in a room Mm -hmm. um you know, it doesn't have to play out exactly like that every time, but just more moments like that where we get to see throughout the film the echoes of his daughter with him and, like, the yeah. ways that the the grief about his daughter is impacting him on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you bringing that up, I think, really puts this in a great spot of, like, that is what the movie should have been about. It should have been about grief. It should have been tighter. Yeah. Just really surrounding that family and how grief works. Um especially with everybody dying around him. Like that is such a good story. 
But right. yeah, um, the moon sequence when they take off and it doesn't cut to anybody else yeah. the rest of the time. I feel like every other space movie, it's a back and forth where you see the guys in the control room and you see the wife at home and right. you see, and that happens earlier in the movie where he, they do a lot of cutting, but on the actual launch, um, I thought that was great because you're right. We, we know what's happening. So there is no tension for us. So we don't need to cut back to the control room or cut to his wife. Right. Um, we know what's going to happen. And so just to watch it play out from his perspective, the whole moon landing, I thought was really epic and really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I and I was waiting for, like you said, that moment of the wife watches intently as mm-hmm. you know, is yeah. he going to do it? <laughs> and so for uh, for that trope not to be played out was actually quite refreshing. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I do want to mention about Claire Foy and like the relationship that we see between the two of them, a kind of subtle thing that's happening that I appreciate and that this film that makes it unique from other big biopics about a husband with a wife that waits intently um, (laughs) is so many of those really make the marriages seem like we have this perfect marriage that um, is the reason I can do these great things, you know, or like, yeah, or even if it's not perfect, it's this grand deep passionate amazing love you know Mm -hmm. um it's like this is the most amazing woman or like we are so deeply in love and thank goodness for that because i'm doing this great thing and i appreciate that that movie did not fall into that trap for this film that it Mm -hmm. portrayed them as truly just an average couple you know like yeah there's nothing it felt really real (laughs) yeah there's nothing like extra special about their love story they're just two people that did fall in love and get married, but just in a very normal way. And there are extraordinary things happening around them, but their marriage is not an extraordinary thing. And mm-hmm. that's not a knock. That's just because it's a real normal thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciated that um, restraint for not mm-hmm. over-dramatizing a relationship because everything else that's happening around the relationship is so dramatic. Right. And I love that they pull in some of those like very normal family things like him, you know, building a puzzle and talking to his kid and like some of, and um, kind of their relationship around like laughing at their kid who, you know, did something like trying not to laugh at their kid or, you know, when he's being, you know, throwing a tantrum tantrum or something like that. Like some of those like normal things. That's not like this, like, like you said, like this isn't, a big deal. Like right. our marriage isn't a big deal. It's just a normal family relationship yeah. <laughs> um, set in this weird situation. So, and I thought Claire Foy played that well because she is like, as he's kind of de- having to deal with this and kind of withdrawing from everything, um, she's running the show with the family and she doesn't want to, it's not like, Oh, I have to hold everything together so that he can be strong and whatever. She's like, she comes in she's like, I, I'm not doing this. Like this is your job too. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. So, um, yeah, when she, when she comes in and makes him sit down and like tell, tell the kids like That's what's going on. That's a really painful scene. It is super painful. And it's not just painful because of how scary the circumstances are. It's painful because it's like, learn to communicate, Neil. Learn to right. use your words. Right. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not covering for you. Like you have to do this. And yeah. you're just like, oh man, he's so bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell your kids you love them. I know. Oh man, but yeah, I, I I loved that they showed him not in touch with his feelings like that. Like that yeah. is more interesting 
than having him like try and suppress his feelings. He's just not in touch with them. He just doesn't yeah. understand. He has no, <laughs> I don't know. He has no awareness of how he's feeling or what it means or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, men, <laughs> I know, men, Gosh. um, I do want to make sure that before we leave, we talk about what I thought was the most um, compelling sequence was the fire and the spaceship. Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's a very short. It happens very fast. Yeah. Um, But you have these men that you've grown to know, you know, and that you mm -hmm. care about. And all of a sudden things go very wrong very quickly and it's such a horrifying death that, and it's what's it's horrifying on multiple levels. It's horrifying because being burned alive is horrifying, yeah. And being burned alive in that close of a space, you know, like in that tiny little thing, and not being able to do anything to stop it. But it's also really dark because. These were, like, the best, like, the ones that mm -hmm. were actually going to go to the moon. So it's that yeah. loss of talent, and it, that loss of talent is so horrible. But also the fact that they didn't even get to die doing something insane in space. You know what I mean? Right. If, if they yeah. had... If they were just on the ground, on sitting the ground in the capsule. With a wire that burned, right. and they just yeah. got in a fire. So for them to not even have a grand death, is so sad, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. um, and it does happen so quickly. They're just kind of hanging around joking, and then they're like, uh, is something wrong? Boom, and then something's wrong, and that's it. And that shot of the door from the outside yes. collapsing in is such an insane shot. Yep, and then we just sit there on it for a while. Yeah. And it's, ugh, yeah. And that's that, I think, is some of the stuff that I really did love about this movie. Like, the actual filmmaking right. is amazing. Like, right. Damien Chazelle is an excellent, excellent director. It's just this isn't the story that I I think any of us were interested in. Exactly. Which, but I think I'm, I feel bad for him. But the, Yeah, <laughs> like, like you said, this film, it's so well made. Like, he, mm -hmm. the, the way he handles the camera and the way he edits it together is just superb. It's just... The, I just don't, I just didn't appreciate the focus of the storytelling. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't make me less excited for Damien Chazelle movies going forward, you know? Agreed. A hundred percent agree. So I think, yeah, I think because he didn't write this movie that this is like, this is his first time like really playing in the studio environment and being like, I'm going to make a big studio movie. Yeah. And I think now he has made one. <laughs> so hopefully right. he gets to make whatever he wants, even though this didn't make any money. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. All right, well, I think that wraps it up for us. Um, Sandra, where can we find you on the internet in the meantime? You can find me on all social platforms, at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. If you are on Twitter, you should go check out my Twitter feed, because that little great short um, jingle you heard in the beginning is available there for you to listen to on repeat, <laughs> and maybe retweet if you that feel five so second inclined. Clip? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's worth it. It's on Sandra's it. Twitter feed. Yeah. So go, go check it <laughs> oh, out. Yeah. I don't know. Go check it out. <laughs> well, you can find me everywhere on the internet. Not everywhere on the internet. Yeah, you can find me everywhere on the internet. You can find me everywhere on the internet at <laughs> Lucas and Stuff, um, where I will be retweeting Sandra's amazing oh. genius tweet. What a true friend. <laughs> 
All right. We'll see you later. And Bye. our podcast is at Feeling It Pod. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah find us. Yeah, we're at Feeling It Pod. Um, you can send us an email if you're interested at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Um, rate and review us on Twitter. Uh, we're hilarious. Rate or not on Twitter. On iTunes. On iTunes. And yes. Twitter, if you're feeling so All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Send us a tweet. Sure. Thanks. Awesome. All right, bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yeah. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 